Good morning from Faith Lutheran Church, located at 601 East Glendale Avenue in Appleton, Wisconsin. Today is the third Sunday in Easter. Leading the liturgy this morning will be Mike Henning, our Director of Christian Education. Preaching today is Reverend Dan Taze. We'll be following Lutheran Service Book Number 1. We joined a service already in progress. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Lord's house this day as again we gather to celebrate another day of his grace, his goodness, his love. And it's still the Easter season, so we can still remember that the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. I will never tire of those words, and I hope you don't either. Today we get to talk about what those words mean for us as we talk about how the resurrection of Jesus Christ distills all of our doubts and fears. Because he lives, we know we will live too. And so we'll get to talk about this amazing little meeting that Jesus had with two guys on the road to Emmaus and how in the midst of their sadness and depression, he brings hope and great joy as he does to us today. Can't wait to get into the Word of God with you a little bit later. Before we do, though, a few announcements. Um, our congregational forums are coming up this weekend. So take a note in your announcement bulletin. There's opportunities for you on, on Saturday and Sunday and Monday, either one of those times, to join us as we talk about the future of our congregation, some of the hopes and plans and dreams that we have, and we want to hear your words in that too. So please join us for those forums. Um, this um, two Thursdays from now is our community prayer and healing service. Uh, you know, we do that um, from time to time just to gather together and talk about God's gift of healing for ourselves, our friends, and our community. Uh, you can join us for that here at the Faith Ministry Center, 6 o'clock on May 4th. And then this Friday is our school's uh, Celebration Lutheran School musical. So if you'd like to just be a part of them sharing their faith, and they've done a lot of hard, hard work in the preparation for that, that would be at 6 o'clock at the Celebration Ministry Center this Friday for our school musical. So make sure you're reading your announcement bulletin. There's all kinds of good things in there that God is working here uh, in our midst. So let's begin our time of worship today with the opening versicles. If you're able, would you please stand?
Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O oh Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Blessed be God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. hymn this morning is titled, With High Delight, Let Us Unite. This is found in Lutheran Service Book 483. With high delight, let us unite in songs of great jubilation. Ye pure in heart, all bear your part. Sing Jesus Christ, our salvation.
And let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for the good news of Easter, that Jesus has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, we have been given birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all the created. With, With the, the hope we have in the resurrected Christ, help us to live as your redeemed Easter people, eager to share this great news with those around us. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. It's now time for our children's message. If we have some kids here this morning that would like to come forward, I'd like you to come and sit in this very first pew right over here. Well, good morning, and I'm so glad to see you. I'm going to tell you about a movie. When I was about six years old, this movie came out, so you won't remember it. I don't even know if your parents will remember it, but grandparents, you might remember this movie. It was a Disney movie, one of my favorites, and was titled, Now You See Him, Now You Don't. Does anybody remember that movie? Kurt Russell college student, Mayfield College, science, pretty smart guy, and through a series of weird, crazy incidences like lightning strikes and power surges and stuff like this, he comes up with invisibility spray. So I figured this took place back in 1972. Technology certainly has advanced since then, so I figured I'd try to make my own. This is what I came up with. Can you see it in there? No. Do you see it in there? No. You can see the invisibility spray? No. Well, it's invisible. You can't see it. I can't. So if I spray it on you, are you going to turn invisible? No. <laughs> can't see me, can you? No, I can see. I can't see you. I sprayed you all. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? <laughs> well, we know that's kind of silly, right? Yeah, Invisibility know. spray doesn't exist except in the movies. However, today in one of our Bible readings, we are going to hear about somebody who disappears and reappears. Can you guess who it is? I bet it's Jesus. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so I'm going to read up here just in just a few minutes the story about Jesus. And he appeared to two disciples as they were walking to a town called Emmaus. And this was close to Jerusalem, about seven miles away. And these guys, this was, this was after Jesus' resurrection, when Jesus comes back from the dead. And these two guys are walking and talking, and all of a sudden... Jesus is there walking with them, and they're having conversations, and they don't know it's Jesus. They don't know it's him because God kind of 
close their eyes a little bit so they couldn't recognize him. And they started talking, and Jesus was wondering what was going on, and they're like, dude, where have you been these past few days? Haven't you heard about all this stuff? About how Jesus was crucified? So we don't know where he is. Well, Jesus starts talking to them and teaching them about what the Old Testament taught about this, this Messiah. And so they're walking, they get to Emmaus, Jesus makes it look like he's going to keep going. The disciples invite him into their house to eat, and they sit down and eat, and he takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them, and all of a sudden, those two disciples could see and recognize Jesus. And just like that, Jesus disappears. The disciples are so excited, they run seven miles back to Jerusalem to find their friends. And they said, we've seen him. We've seen Jesus. And then guess what? All of a sudden, Jesus, he's there with all the disciples. And he talks to them for a little bit, and then guess what? He disappears. Don't you wish Jesus would just appear like that? So you could see him? You know what? He does. When we read God's word, and when we confess Jesus as God's son, God reveals Jesus to us. He allows us to experience and be with Jesus. So that's really exciting. That's one of the great reasons that we need to get into God's word and read it. And know the stories of Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, learn to love Jesus. So that we can experience and see Jesus. And it's no magic trick. Doesn't take invisibility spray or anything like that. It just takes, it just takes our faith and our belief. This isn't real. You're right. It's pretend. Yes, you can see me. And we can see Jesus, too. All right. Will you, will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Can you fold your hands and pray? I'll pray. You repeat after me, okay? Dear God, help us to study your word so we can see Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming up. You want another squirt before you go? continue with our readings today. Our first reading this morning comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. And Paul writes, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. 
And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our faith chorale now sings, My Shepherd Will Supply My Need.
Now, as you're able, we continue with the reading of our Holy Gospel. Will you please stand? The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now that same day, two men, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Clopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Now let us confess our faith that we have in this resurrected and risen Christ through the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.
Oh, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, friends, we get to talk about the story we just heard in the gospel lesson, how these two gentlemen on the way to Emmaus had an amazing flip. They went from deep, dark depression, excessive misery, to great hopefulness that things had changed. And what was it that made the change? They saw the risen Jesus. The risen Christ gives us hope. That's sort of the message where I want to go today. I want to talk about hopelessness without Christ and hope with the living Christ. And to get at it, I want to start with a story from one of the most popular movies of all time. Now, I know it's Easter, but this movie is It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, who hasn't seen It's a Wonderful Life? There's a line in there that is just so perfect for our thoughts and thinking about hopelessness today. You might remember in the beginning of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, Clarence, angel second class, is about to get his assignment to go out and help this guy who's in big trouble. And the superior says to him, you've got to go help this guy named George Bailey. And Clarence says, what is it? Is he sick? And I love the response that he gets. Do you remember what it is? He says, no, it's worse than that. He's discouraged. I love that line because discouragement, the, the lack of hope, can be worse than any physical illness. Uh, if you have your outline, you might want to pull it out as we work through this, and you'll see I talk about something called give up itis. Have you ever heard of give up itis before? Give up itis is a real thing. Doctors from World War II and even Korea and Vietnam were the ones that coined this not so technical phrase. And what they meant is that when prisoners would face such grim conditions with no prospect of freedom, some of them became so demoralized and so mired in the pit of despair that after a while they became so apathetic that they just refused to eat and drink they would spend their time on their bunk just staring up into space. And with hope drained away, these prisoners would actually just waste away and die. They died of give up itis. You see, the human spirit needs to have hope to survive. One expert said, since my early years as a physician, I learned that taking away hope is for most people like pronouncing a death sentence. Their already hard-pressed will to live can become paralyzed and they give up and die. Now the writers of the Bible knew this to be true more than 2,500 years ago. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 13, and I printed this on the top of your outline. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled as a tree of life. I love a way another translation, the good news translation of the Bible translate this verse. It says, when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. It's true. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. So if you think about it then, it's not surprising that if God created human beings with this craving and this need for hope, that it would also make sense that he would be our ultimate hope. In fact, Romans 5, 15, 13 describes God as the God of hope. 
<clears throat> Did you know all total, there are 95 references to hope in the Old Testament, and there are another 85 references to hope in the New Testament. That's a lot of hope. This theme of hope is woven all throughout the scriptures. And that's what our theme is about today. Hope. Finding real hope in a world that sometimes seems so hopeless. And the hope that God wants to give to us today is not the kind of hope that we normally think of. You know, we use the word hope in a lot of different ways today. In everyday conversation, we use the word hope to mean wishful thinking or blind optimism or ambitious dreams. Let's talk about that, right? For instance, sometimes we, we talk about hope and what we really mean is wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is, is when we try to hope things into or out of existence. <laughs> we blow out the candles on our birthday cake and we say, I sure hope I have another year of health and happiness. That's wishful thinking. Or we, we pick up the Wall Street Journal and we say, I hope my thriving mutual fund goes up sometime today. <laughs> or maybe we tune in Thursday night to ESPN for the first round of the NFL draft. And we say, I sure hope the Packers take a wide receiver this year or a tight end, and definitely, I hope, not another quarterback. <laughs> Probably wishful thinking, you know? You see, wishful thinking is that kind of hopeful feeling that just somehow, some way, that things are just going to go the way we want them to go, though we have absolutely no power over the situation. And sometimes the crazy thing about wishful thinking is if we do it long enough, we actually convince ourselves that it's true. I'll give you an example of that one. 31 years ago, almost to the very day, my first daughter was born, Kylie. Some of you may know Kylie. She grew up here in this congregation. But I remember that when Kelly was pregnant, I was absolutely convinced that Kylie was going to be a boy. I was sure of it. I, I'd always wanted a little boy to go out and play football with, right? A little boy to grow up and watch the NFL draft with me, right? I'd always wished for something like this. And I will never forget when she was born and the doctors handed me to her. And I was looking and I'm going, something is missing. <laughs> it's a girl. I don't know how to raise a girl. And 31 years later, I still don't know how to raise a girl. <laughs> but I had convinced myself that she was going to be a boy. Now, I just got to tell you, I've never rued the day once since. I'm so thankful for who she is and what she is and that I've got two beautiful daughters. So please don't tell her that I talked about her and said that I wished she was a boy, okay? <laughs> That's wishful thinking, right? Wishing that something will happen when we have no idea or power that it ever will. Right? Another kind of hope is, is blind optimism. You know, I love to be an optimistic person. I think optimism is good. But sometimes these blind optimists take it to another extreme. They see everything through rose-colored glasses. Everything. They paper over their problems as if they didn't exist. They avert their eyes from the ugliness of the world. To them, everything seems fine all the time. In fact, some religions even take this approach. Did you know Christian scientists, for instance, say that all evil 
is just really an, an illusion. It's not real. We're just imagining it. Yeah, right. Right? Some kind of this blind optimism, right? This kind of thinking is like a sign that was nailed to a tree once. It said, lost. Dog with three legs, blind in left eye, missing right ear, tail broken, and recently castrated. Answers to the name Lucky. <laughs> you can call that dog Lucky all you want. That is not a lucky dog. But you see, blind optimism can make you also believe something that, that isn't real. And then another type of hope is in ambitious dreams. Ambitious dreams are these lofty goals that we, we tend to set for ourselves. Lofty goals. We say, uh, next year I'm going to buy a new car. And then we save and we work and we prepare so we can actually buy that new car. Or we say, next year I'm really going to want my marriage to be better. And so instead of just saying it, we invest time to really build into our spouse and to improve our communication and so forth. Now, see, all of that is fine. But the problem with ambitious, lofty goals is that sometimes the problem is we are restricted by our own limitations or by things that are outside of our control. And they just can't happen. For example, if I go in my driveway and shoot baskets and shoot free throws till I'm blue in the face and do it night and day, I will still never realize my lofty ambition of playing in the NBA. Although after the Bucks lost last night, maybe I have a chance. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes on our own limitations and circumstances, we can't achieve our lofty goals. So you see, we have all kinds of ways that we hope. In all of these ways, wishful thinking, blind optimism, ambitious dreams, these are not the kind of hopes that the Bible talks about when it talks about hope. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So let's look at what the Bible talks and says and teaches us about real hope, real lasting biblical hope. So if you're filling in your outline, this first thought, for most people, hope is something that they do. But the Bible talks about hope as something that we can have. Do you see the difference? Hope is something that you can actually have. It's something you can possess. It's something you can own. It's something you can grab a hold of because it has already been completed. It has already been done. It is given to you. So biblical hope is not a question mark. It's an exclamation point. For someone who believes in Jesus, then, here is the real definition of hope. Again, on your outline, the second sentence. Hope is the confident expectation that God is willing and able to fulfill all of his promises to us. That's a beautiful definition. A willing expectation, a confident expectation that God is able to fulfill his promises to us. And the Bible says that this living hope is a living hope because it's always linked to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, think about this. Every promise that was made in the Bible is linked to the resurre resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's what I mean by that. The verse in your outline from 1 Peter 1.4, it says, In God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So you see, it's through the resurrection that Jesus demonstrated once and for all, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that he is God and that he really does possess the power to fulfill all of the promises that he made. The resurrection proves that he's God and has the power to do everything that he said he could do. So when he says and makes these beautiful promises that, that he'll change our lives, when he promises to guide us, when he promises that he'll walk side by side with us through the troubles and struggles of life, when he promises that good will emerge from any of the personal problems and struggles that we face, when he promises that he will grant us eternal life in heaven because he has died to forgive our sins, the resurrection then is the actual physical event that happened in history that proves that all of these things are more than just wishful thinking, more than just blind optimism, more than just an ambitious dream, but they are fact because the resurrection is the proof of who Jesus is and what he does. Do you get that? That is just good news, my friends. Our hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an exclamation point. Or another way to look at it, in your outline, Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You see, our hope is only as good as what it is attached to, what it is anchored to. Hope in and of itself has no power. You can wish all you want. You can hope all you want. You can feel a little bit better about whatever you want. You can fool yourself into believing everything's okay. But the only way that hope has any real power is if it's anchored to the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you see? And not only this, but this confidence is ours in Christ Jesus. So what does this powerful confident, expectant hope give to us, right? The first reason and the first thing we Christians have hope in is we have hope because we're forgiven for our past. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's in the bottom of the first page of your outline, Lamentations 3. It says, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Isn't that a beautiful verse, everyone? What the writer is saying there is that we can live with hope as followers of Jesus because even though we may fail God, and we all do, even though we may fail our children, and we all do, even though we may fail our spouse and our friends and ourselves, and we all do, God in his great compassion, in his forgiveness, he absolves us from all those sins. He forgives us. And that source of grace and forgiveness will never fail. Did you see that in the verse? It will never fail. It's never exhausted. It is fresh and it's new every single day. So friends, we have hope that our sins are forgiven, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us by dying and rising again on the third day. Can I get an amen? amen. That is just amazing news. 
right? Flip your outline. The second reason we have hope is because we're assured of our future. We are assured that this world is not all there is, but that heaven is our home. One of my favorite uh, authors, uh, he's an author, a preacher, a teacher, an apologist. His name is Lee Strobel. He has this incredible quote. Listen to what he said. I spent about the first 30 years of my life as an atheist. I remember so many times waking up in the middle of the night with a start. It's all black, and you look into the blackness, and that's how your heart feels. That's how your soul feels, because you realize there is nothing after you die. This is it. You're snuffed out. There's no existence beyond this. When you die, everything you have, everything you are, is buried in a casket, and that's it. You want to talk about a prescription for hopelessness? That's it. A prescription for despair? You just heard it. I just saw a, a survey. Did you know that one out of five Americans believe there is nothing after this life? One out of five. No wonder we have such hopelessness in our country. The hopelessness is, is so black that people can't face it. And so some people then, they just click into wishful thinking. They say, maybe I'll be reincarnated or something. <laughs> or some people engage in blind optimism, and they say, I just won't think about it. Maybe by the time I get sick and I'm ready to die, they'll find a cure for whatever it is that I have. Or they pursue these ambitious dreams, and they say, I know what I'll do. I'll lose 30 pounds. I'll cut my cholesterol in half. I'll extend my lifespan just through discipline and self-control and hard work. Well, those defense mechanisms can make people feel all right for a while. But there is one really, really ugly statistic in this world, and that is this. Death always plays a perfect game. Ten out of every ten people will die, 100%. And the tricky thing about death is that it sometimes comes when we don't see it coming. We just don't see it coming. So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for that day when it comes? And when it comes, do you have hope? Do you have hope that when that day comes and you move from this world to the next, do you have hope that heaven is your home? And if you do, why do you have that hope? Is it because you've lived such a good life, because you're such a good person? Because how could God not want to spend eternity with you, right? <laughs> or do you have hope because Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive your sins? And do you have hope that he, that because he rose again on the third day. And you have hope because of the promise that he made where he said, because I've died and live again, you too will live. Do you have hope in the promise that Jesus Christ made for you? That death is not the end, but the beginning, the beginning of life eternal with him. Do you have that hope, my friends? You can. Because this is the gift that God gives you today in Jesus Christ. It's the gift of hope, of forgiveness, the hope of everlasting life, and the gift of living and walking with the Lord. 
I want to close with this true story. I, I did a funeral a while back, and it was about a family who had lost someone way too early in life, way too young. And you'd think that this funeral would have been one of grief and tears and weeping and mourning, crying out at the unfairness of death. <laughs> but it wasn't. The service was literally a celebration of this person's life and in a celebration of an amazing God who loved him and forgave him and prepared a place in heaven for him. I remember going down to the fellowship hall after the service for lunch. And I walked in and there was stories being told and memories were being shared and there was laughing and carrying on. I had to really work hard just to get him to settle down so he could pray and eat. Why? They had just lost someone that they loved. Why was there celebration? Why was there still hope and joy? Because they knew the truth, that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, and because of that, so did their loved one. And so would they. And friends, so will you. We have that hope this Easter and always, don't we? That the Lord is risen he is risen indeed. Hold on to that. Cling to that hope, for it is yours in Christ. Amen. Well, at this time, we'll receive our offerings. Sounds like JP's ready to go. <laughs> so as the baskets come forward, I just want to thank you for your giving, for the opportunity we have to thank God for all that he has done for us by our gifts. And um, these are the gifts we use to lift up and give hope to the world about Jesus Christ. So thank you for joining us in that mission. Our offering hymn today is titled, Who Are You Who Walk in Sorrow? Who are you who walk in sorrow? Down Emmaus, barren road, hearts distraught and hope defeated, bent beneath Greece's crushing load.
As you're able, will we please stand as we continue with our prayers? Blessed are you, O God, ruler of heaven and earth. Day by day, you shower us with blessings. As you have raised us to new life in Christ, give us glad and generous hearts, ready to praise you and respond to those in need. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's worship service. We'd enjoy having you join us at either of our worship locations, Faith Ministry Center at 601 East Glendale or our Celebration Ministry Center at 3100 East Evergreen. Please visit our website at www.faithfoxvalley.org for worship times and giving information. Until we meet again, may God give you peace. our heads to speak to God in prayer. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful this morning as we gather together to offer you our worship and praise, that you have been with us, that we have seen you in your word, and that you have spoken to us and given us hope. 
real hope, not wishful thinking or blind optimism, but hope based on the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a hope that will never fail, a hope that will always lead us to the promises fulfilled. Help us be hopeful people in this world that everyone can see your love and light shining through us for them. Lord, we pray for those who need that hope today in their lives. If they're struggling with illnesses or facing surgeries, we pray you would give hope to Jennifer Klein, Donna Miller, Barb Smith, Shirley Stevens, Angie Knudsen, and those on our ongoing health and healing prayer list. We pray that you would bring healing and love into their lives. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. And Lord, today we lift up the family of Alan Parmenter as they mourn the loss of his brother Steve. And we pray that as they grieve, that their grief would be firm in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, knowing that Steve is with you. Looking forward to the day we can all gather together uh, around your throne in heaven. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is grace. Lord, we celebrate today the miracle of holy baptism for little Torrance Christine Gilbert. We pray that this is the beginning of a life full of your blessings for her and that you will help her as she grows to know you and love you in all she says and does. And Lord, we also pray for our congregational forums that will happen this weekend. We pray that you would bless them with your spirit, that our discussions and our words would lead us in the direction that we should go. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. These and all other prayers we bring to you in the name of Jesus, who himself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all.
my closing hymn today is titled, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but holy lean on Jesus' name.